<laughs> so, what did you have another brush with Lee Zerg this week? No, well, um, almost brushes with Lee Zerg. I'm Sanders, and he's Liv, and we are two sorry excuses. Liveroo! What's up, Sam, man? Hey, man. Hey, what's happening, Sanders? How are you? All right, how are you? Good. Happy Thursday. Yeah, happy Thursday, the regular slot. Two sorry excuses, episode 22, I believe. Yep. We're going to... This week we're going with uh, what they refer to in the industry as a dry open. <laughs> the old double deuce. We're uh, we're 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 cutting uh, cutting it pretty close with my social calendar this week. Um, I'm ensconced in family um, wedding um, shenanigans for my sister. Uh, rehearsal dinner is uh, tomorrow, but I have to be in Long Island all day. And then the wedding uh, is Saturday, so in order to get this up in any semblance of of timeliness, um, I'm just gonna. I think I'm just gonna throw it up when we're done. So, no fancy edit, no fancy open. Um, I'll lay it down over some over some intro track, and then we'll be off and running. So, uh, this is the um, this is the bare bones version of of two sorry excuses this week. But we missed last week. So is the um, is your sister's wedding the source of the latest emergency? Yes, very much so. Because in her infinite wisdom, um, she had asked me to perform the ceremony. Oh uh, yes, yes. So I'm writing it, um, but there's a bunch of stuff that I didn't take into account. For example, they are writing their own vows, but I had written them um, some killer vows that was really like the highlight. And the 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 climax of the ceremony, um, but they're putting theirs in, and they went and ruined my whole my whole flow. So I had to redo the flow, but I had to ask him a few things and and you know get um, you know get a bunch of stuff in order. So I had a small spouse is getting in the way of the wedding. Can you believe ceremony? it? It's unbelievable. So I had a very small window um, to work with, and of course I ran over and. You know, I held you up, so my apologies to you and the and the uh, TSE universe. Yes, Um, I mean, really, if you're inconveniencing anybody, you're inconveniencing Alfredo Quinones, (laughs) the clown prince of two sorry excuses. Yes, at the end of the day, that's who you're. Who's uh, week is getting ruined when we don't record a Two Sorry Excuses program. That's true. That's true. Um, although last week was only one of, uh, I think, maybe two or three weeks um, that we've had, we've, we've had to uh, drop the curtain on. And I think they yeah. mostly have been holiday-related. Yeah. Coincidentally or not, who knows. But um, in that particular case, uh, we, took, uh, we, we took off for Easter week. Well, I mean, the other thing is, I mean, the show's supposed to kind of talk about Q sports, and if that's not going on, that's half the show right there. That's true. That's true, which makes it even more amazing that we're able um, to stretch mindless personal banter out for an hour and 15 minutes without any Syracuse um, chat to break up the the, uh, dialogue. Yep. But either way, one of the reasons I started, uh, I reached out to you to start this whole thing, um, was I had a, a dearth of communication with people uh, in my life that mattered about and 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 chatted about things that I liked and I cared about. Um, started out as as heavily influenced by the Syracuse football team and Syracuse basketball teams, but 
has evolved into a nice weekly conversation about things that nobody else would really care to talk about except for me and you and the 75 or 100 people who find it in their heart to listen to us babble about those things. 75 or 100. Hmm. I think um I think we're getting pretty close to um to our 100th download of one of those early episodes. Nice. Uh, the uh, holy fuck, it's Lee Zurich is up there. That has uh, passed the 80 download mark. Um, and it you know picks up a few downloads every week, um, which is pretty impressive because there's a huge gap uh, between, you know, like the first one or two episodes, which is, it's kind of natural. If people are going to pick it up, you know, like maybe they'll follow it on Facebook or they'll hear about it from somebody or Alfredo might yeah. mention something or you'll run into Duff's buddies, um, you know, in New Orleans. They'll probably start at the beginning. It's a pretty logical place to start listening to a podcast. So you'd expect those numbers to be the biggest. They've been up the longest and, you know, they they're they have the benefit of being number one on the list. But the holy fuck, it's Lee Zurich is impressive because that's that that is the only episode that we promoted. It it, yeah. it was right. It was the episode before Hey Would You Blow Me, where you went to the NBA All Star Game and rode the bus with um, Spencer Haywood. Yep. Or Haywood Spencer. Spencer Haywood. Spencer Haywood. Spencer Haywood. And then you. Um, you ran into Steve Kerr at the after party, but somewhere during that episode, either you took a piss, or I took a piss, or you got a phone call, and the recording ended up getting screwed up. So we put out that episode, and it was a total half-ass episode. It was kind of chopped up in the middle, so instead of having people listening to that, we directed them to listen to Holy Fuck, It's Lee Zurich, and for some reason, they did. And yeah. the people have spoken, man. Lee Zurich. Lee Zurich's where it's at. (laughs) You know, keep having all these brushes with Lee Zurich, too. Right, so last time, a couple weeks ago, you got prank called by Lee Zurich. (laughs) Yeah, we'll assume it was Lee Zurich. It came from Foxy. I know that much. It's much easier if we just make those assumptions, because then people don't have to carry on, you know, and they don't have to make, you know, they don't have to go back and listen to the episode. Let's just recap. Uh, you got out of the shower one morning, and your phone rang, and it was Lee Zurich prank calling you. Yeah, that's that's who it was. For posterity, that's the story. Yep. <laughs> so, what did you have another brush with Lee Zurich this week? No, well, um, almost brushes with Lee Zurich. Well, one, there's a loyal listener of the show who plays Ma... Mahjong with Lee Zurich's sister-in-law, who is like, you know, uh, I play Mahjong with Lee Zurich's sister-in-law. I can tell her to tell Lee about the show. You know, maybe you can listen. I was like, well, uh, I was like, why don't you listen to a few episodes and decide? Because I don't really listen to the episodes, and I don't know. I don't know if it's something I want him to be listening to. Uh, 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 that's good. And then this weekend. Um, I met up with a friend, uh, Logan Perry, who, who is a, uh, guy in Baton Rouge, who's a, he's a super follower of the show and he was in town for his birthday. And, uh, after Jazz Fest, I went and met up with him and, and his wife was there and she had two friends and she introduced one, she introduced the two friends to me and one was named Jenny. And I recognized her as a girl who's on the same station with Lee Zurich. But I didn't even bring up that I acknowledged that, that I was aware that she was a news person. Because I was like, I'm just not even going to mention it. Uh, But she went home and she was supposed to meet us out later on. But something happened. So she never met us out. Which saved her, me, the drunk me, telling her about Lee Zurich. (laughs) But had... Had she met us out, had the night not turned out the way it did, Lee Zerg probably would have a would would know exactly about this show right now, and it would probably be something about this weirdo has a show and he talks about you. <laughs> uh, which, to sum it up, is probably pretty accurate. Yeah. So fortunately, that did not happen. Um, 
Now the other, the friend of of Lee's sister-in-law, I don't know uh, if she has made it through all the episodes enough to to uh, make the judgment call on uh, on whether it's um, suitable for for his listening pleasure. I I I I've never met him, um, and obviously I don't have exposure to the the public persona um, of Fox 8, Lee Zarek. But is he a guy who takes himself pretty seriously, or do you think he... Oh, I'm sure he takes it all with a sense of humor. All right. So I would, I'd, I'd like to think that he would find it a, uh, you know, a fitting homage. Yeah. I, I mean, we don't say anything bad about the guy. No. No, we, we friggin' lauded him for his Peabody Award. No, uh... No press is bad press, isn't that what they say? Yeah, Oscar Wilde, man. Worst thing uh, than being talked about was not being talked about at all or whatever. There you go. Basically paraphrase that. <laughs> we're not talking bad about no. him. So no, if we're talking just, bad about it's anybody. It's kind of awkward and weird and, and obsessive. That's, that's <laughs> I mean, it was a one, one-time, two-time thing. But now <laughs> 15 minutes of every show are dedicated to Lisa Chris. <laughs> If nothing else, it's going to help our SEO rating for Google searches having to do with Lee Zurich. Yeah, I mean, maybe we'll encourage somebody to start a Wikipedia page for him now. <laughs> Still can't believe he doesn't have one of those. Yeah, I was supposed to get on that, wasn't I? Were you going to make Yeah, yeah, page? I got busy. I'm writing a, cer- I'm ra- I'm writing a wedding, well, wedding ceremony, man. Come on. Well, I think Rob Langdon should be doing Lee Zurich's Wikipedia page. Because <laughs> if not for Rob Langdon, it wouldn't even have any resonance with me at all. True. True. You know, wouldn't it wouldn't even matter. It would have been, oh, you know, and then one day somebody would have said, you know, he went to Syracuse and we were like, oh, okay. You know, <laughs> that might have been all that ever happened if not for Rob Langdon's drunken, frequent, frequent drunken, uh, inquiries of my relationship with Lee Zerk. Which was aided by the fact that he was frequently drunk. Yes. Because he was a bartender while I was working the door. Uh, he was, um, he stayed up there post-graduation, I think. I think he got, like, a yeah, real job. Yeah, post-grad year when he used to always harass me about it. Yeah. Before he went off to law school. Oh, is that what he did? I'm pretty sure he went to law school down in New York. Oh, he did. No, I know that for a fact. You're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely yep. right. Uh, what else you got, man? How was your week? Hey, it was pretty good. Uh, I'll tell you one of the reasons why Saturday night got screwed up. You'll appreciate this story. Okay. So, Logan, uh, like I told you, you know, we're hanging out for his birthday. We are at a crawfish boil at one of his friend's houses who, who lives like two blocks away from the fairgrounds where the Jazz Fest is held. And, um, and they're like, well, we're going to Rock and Bull. Not everybody at that Crawfish Boy was gone, but Logan. And that's why I went over there anyway. Originally, I was like, all right, I'll go over to Rock and Bull. It's a, uh, if you can figure it out, it's a <laughs> bowling alley that has musical acts. Got it. And, uh, and it's a cool place to go, you know? But they're like, uh, well, we got to go back to my friend's house. So it was, it was him and his wife, and they were staying with another couple. You know, so, like, we're going to go back with them, and we got to take showers and go out. I was like, well, I guess if I'm going to go with you guys, I should go, even though I really don't want to leave the crawfish boil, blah, blah, blah. But I guess, apparently, I found out they were out of crawfish anyway. I thought they were boiling another pot. So if that's the case, I'm fine with it. But uh, but we go over there, and I'm chilling out in the living room, and Logan takes his shower, you know, and then he comes out, and he's like, well, you know, I don't know where my phone is, you know, and I'm calling his cell phone, and we can't find his phone. And he's like, oh, no, I was on it in the cab. And it's like, oh, did you? we were in one of these minivan cabs, you know, and he was in the very back. And uh, I'm like, well, you can use the, maybe it's in there. Or at that point, we're like, well, we don't even know what cab company we were in because it was nighttime. It was just grab any cab, you know, you didn't even think about that. Right, right. I'm like, well, do you, I was like, what about the find my iPhone thing? And I pull up my phone and I'm like, you can log in on my phone and see if you can find it. 
Of course, he doesn't know his Apple ID or anything. Ah. Uh. He's like, oh, I can't do that. He's like, I have no clue what it is, which I really don't blame him for, because a lot of that stuff, when you download apps and stuff, you already have it saved in your phone, and you just, boom, you know? Right. You set it up the first day, and then whatever. Uh, well, so he can't do that. Eventually, he goes, we're calling cab companies, guessing what kind of cab it could be. His wife's like, oh, it was a... She's like, I think it was black and white, so we're calling all the cab companies that have black cabs or whatever. Uh, and then, you know, you're not... She thinks... She's like, I think the cab number was such and such, 601 or whatever. It's random. We're going around, and we're not getting anywhere. He calls his dad, and his dad's like, all right, I'll go over to your house, because he says he has all the information on his iPad. Logan does. Okay. So, apparently his dad goes to his house, and his mom, I guess, gets, you know, next thing you know, he's on his phone, on the phone with his mom, and she's, uh, and he's telling her what the password is, because he did remember that, you know, drive-by trucker or something or something, you know, <laughs> the password to his, to his Apple uh, I think that's great, drive-by yeah. truckers. So, uh, so then, find out that the... The, that the phone's tracked. It's it's at the corner of Esplanade and North Villery. You know, it's not the nicest neighborhood in town, but it, it's there. It's like, all right, well, it's just there. And and then it moved around a little bit, you know. And then it kept staying there. And we're like, all right, well, um, we don't know what the hell's going on with this. I was like, see if you got reloaded, because it seems weird that it would be that static. Well, it turns out it was all right. Like, so we go out there. And get another cab. And, uh, you know, him and the wife get another cab, and I hop in it with them. The couple who we were staying with, they were supposed to go out with us, and at that point, you know, they didn't want to go out anymore. This is like a few minutes. All this started around like 9.30. This is like 10.30 at this point. Okay. And those people are like, ah, oh, screw it. We don't feel like going out. Because the wind's taking out of all everybody's sails. Right. You're driving you know, around. You're going from, I'm getting ready. I'm going out to... Oh, friggin' big tragedy. Can't find the telephone, you know? <laughs> so we get a cab. And we tell the cab, he he's, just starts driving us around. And meanwhile, his wife, Lauren's in the front seat on the phone with Logan's mom. She's like, it's, it's there. We head out to that neighborhood. You know, it's still there. And the cab, at one point it moved. Cabby's like, oh, he's running fares right now. That's what's going on. It's like, don't worry, we'll find it. And then it ends up being at the same place as what, where it started off, Esplanade in North Villary. So we drive down Esplanade, or right when we get to North Villary, we see it. But you can't go because it's a one-way the wrong way. We're like, that's the cab right there. And it's a big red van. And it's the same company whose cab that we're actually in. Okay. You know? And the guy's like, red. He's like, how'd you think that was black? <laughs> <laughs> and it was. did you guys even know that it was a van? Well, we knew it was a van. Oh, all right, all right. You know, I was like, he's like, he's like, how'd you confuse that with black? We're like, it was dark. All the doors were open, you know? <laughs> I'm like, hey, man, we're colorblind. We don't look at it as a black cab or a red cab. We just look at it as a cab. Uh, so, <laughs> we're, co we're colorblind. <laughs> I think you guys are misinterpreting the definition of that, that the social relevance of being colorblind. Uh, he found it humorous, <laughs> you know, our African American cab driver. Right, right. <laughs> but, but you know, it's so finally we get out in front of there, and like that's the cab. We're looking in the windows. Uh, Logan and I are walking around looking in the windows, trying to see if we can see the uh, phone, because you know they have to try to track down the cab rider, the cab driver. Uh, like, the, the guy who was driving our cabs telling the wife, like, you better tell those guys not to be looking around that car like that, you know? Like, they might be asking for some trouble in this neighborhood or something. Somebody thinks they're breaking in that car or something. And there was, like, a corner store down down the way. And we walk, I walk up to the corner store uh, with Logan, and they got a couple guys hanging out. And we're like, do you know who owns that cab? They're like, the guy, the guy, uh... The guy lives in that blue house. They're like, he's in that blue house right now. And they're like, all right, I'm walking up. And, 
you know, a little knee not wasted, because at this point, everything's wearing off, right? Because you've been doing this wild goose chase the whole time, right? But, but then, like, all right, it's probably not a wise idea to go ring on this guy's bell, yeah, because random. Random bell ringers at 11 o'clock at night or whatever. Not cool. And I'm sure you guys were, were dressed and quaffed like you were going to go out anyway. So you probably uh, you probably had on your khakis and your penny loafers and your... Not me. And your... I was dressed like I've been at Jazz Fest all day. I was wearing my old man festive Jazz Fest shirt that I just got in that day. <laughs> all right. I want to get to that. I want to get to that because I've seen pictures, but... Um, a pair of shorts and flip-flops right. because I... You know, whatever. Logan was quaffed and everything. He was all clean, like he was ready to go out because he had he had a chance to change and all that. I wasn't going to change anyway. I don't see the point of that. Right. Uh, right. I guess I'm just kind of filthy. I don't know. Uh, but uh, I believe in first impressions are bad impressions. <laughs> so, uh, so you're you're not going to go knock on the blue house. Yes, but eventually. The, the cab driver, since it's the company, same company, and he's gone through talking to, you know, the dispatcher, then the other, some guy with some other title. Eventually, they get in touch with the guy, and he comes outside. He's got his plate of food. He was not happy. He was fucking pissed. You know, it's like, you know, I don't blame him for being pissed. You know, everything was pretty good when we were in the cab with him earlier. It was great. Yeah, sure. You know, now here we are interrupting his late night, his dinner, you know, because friggin' one of the, because a drunken idiot left his phone in the cab, you know? And uh, it's amazing that you can do this now. It really is crazy. You know? And he eventually left, and when we found the cab, it was like, found the, the phone in the back of the cab. It was like wedged. It was on face down, which we tried calling it when I was outside the cab, hoping we could see it light up, but it, it was face down, so we never saw it light up. But it was wedged between the back seat, the very back, and and the side wall of the car. And and he was like, you know, he was pretty pissed, but Logan, I think, threw him like a 20 or whatever. You know, yeah, That's a pretty good trade-off. Yeah, I mean, I was like, well, you can't be too pissed if you're getting a $20 bill for... The inconvenience of having to come out because it's not like it's not like he knew we were trying to get in touch with him the whole time, you know. Right. As what as that whole hour and a half process of trying to track that phone now, that guy's role in it involves about three minutes. You know? Yes. And he made twenty bucks for that, but eventually we we go to meet some people at Rock and Bowl before we even get there. Uh, we talked to him, they're like, oh, it's a $25 cover. I was like, well, screw that. Not going for $25. You know I mean? That's like the ticket to a show at that point. You know, it was like $10, I'd be willing to pay the cover. But uh, then would we you ended have up to- going to another bar. Plus, uh, you know, it was like, at this point in night, we're going to go pay 25 bucks after that. You know, it's like all the enthusiasm for, like, having the greatest night ever is out of the window. Yeah, you right. Know? Would you then have to pay for bowling? Were you guys going to bowl? I mean, you would have to pay for bowling on top of it. Right. Yeah, if you want to bowl. Yeah, that sucks. We'd probably win a bowl, but you'd have to pay for, you know, you're talking a pretty expensive night then at that point. If you want to bowl, sure. If you want to drink, the drinks there are reasonable, but still. You know? Yeah. I, mean, I guess there's a certain crowd that's willing to pay the $25. But after I've been spending five dollars on overpriced beer at the Jazz Fest all day, you know, it's like, eh. yeah. So tell me about the Jazz Festival. All right. Well, hey, what do you want to know about it? Logistics. You know what you were up to the whole deal because when they announced the Jazz Festival lineup, we talked a little bit about it. Um, you know, in terms of kind of like the hype and revelry. Um, yeah. And. Is it, is it one of those events that's like, you know, they have the announcement and then there's there's other precursor events leading up to it, or is it like they have the announcement and then tickets go on sale or whatever, and then then the weekend comes and then that's it. Oh well, it's two. It's seven days long actually. Okay. Um, it's Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then it restarts again this week, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. 
And Thursday, today, they restarted. And that's traditionally called Locals Thursday because it's the day when all the locals are out there. But I never am because I'm working. Right. Uh, but I'll tell you, one of the most insufferable days of the year is the day when they do announce the lineup. Because then every smug asshole on Facebook. It's like, oh, I'm so happy. Jazz Fest lineup announced today. Yada, yada, yada. <laughs> so who played this year? Well, when I was out there the other day, um, the closing act on the stage, I was there's multiple stages. Okay, so let's forget. Let me back up. Then what's the what's the setup? What are the logistics? All right, it's at the New Orleans Fairgrounds, okay. which is the horse track. Okay, you know it's it's in. You know, it's sort of like mid cityish Bayou St. Johnish area of New Orleans. It's it's right in the heart of the city. So it's one it's one local central venue. Yeah, you know, and like uh like there's a big stage. The two biggest stages are on the complete opposite ends of the track from each other. Okay. But then they got other stages throughout and then they have like they have some tents, like the blues tent, the gospel tent. I think there's a jazz tent, you know. And um, and I don't know how many total stages they have. You know, it's it's quite a production, you know. And uh, the shows start like at 11, around 11.15 in the morning. The performers start gone. And then usually, you know, the biggest, the biggest performers play the last... The last set of the day, which will be uh, like start at four or five o'clock and end around seven, you know? Right. So, uh, like this past weekend, the last performers, Robin Thicke was playing on one stage. Robert Plant was playing on another. Uh, Boz Skaggs was in the blues tent and Fish was on the stage that I was at. No way. Yeah. I mean, I really, to be honest with you. I wanted to kind of see. I really wanted to see Robert Plant out of all those people. Okay, I would have probably gravitated towards Boz Skaggs. That's funny. Well, you know, I, I when I first looked at it, I was like, oh, I was like, I'd like to see Boz Skaggs. Problem with Boz Skaggs was that he was playing in the tent. Okay. I was like, it's gonna be a beautiful friggin' day. I don't want to be in the damn tent. Gotcha. Because last year I went in the tent. Who was playing last year? Um, jeez. I uh, I remember I went there in the tent for somebody. It was a big act, you know, like a big blues guy, and uh, and it was a it was raining outside, so everybody was bum rushing the tent. You know, it was kind of, no, it wasn't raining, but it had rained, I think. Uh, and it was just kind of overwhelmed because it was really a popular guy. And it was just miserable in there. Uh, and I was like, eh, it's going to be such a nice day. I don't want to be in a tent. But I originally went to go out there and meet Logan and them. I was trying to coordinate with with them and where they were going to be. And they were like, well, we're going to be on at the Acura stage, which is the one where Fish was at. Because they're like, we want to see Anders Osborne. He's this, he's uh, he he's a local guy. He goes all over, but he's very big. Like uh, he's he's very big in New Orleans down here. You know, right. And I was like, all right, well, that works out. I'll get out there, and I'm bringing my chairs. You know, and a lot of times I go without chairs, but I get sick of not having a seat. When you go with chairs, you're pretty much committing yourself to staying in one spot, you know? Right. So I was going to get out there early, but then my sister, she was going to go with her boyfriend because he, he's a big fish guy. He's one of these nerds who writes down the set list as it goes on, you know? <laughs> I mean, I guess he's one of those type of nerds like that will be like, oh, you know, when they play one chord differently or they change up the word to a song like they've never done it before. Right. They haven't played Harpua uh, yeah. since 1998, um, longest version, four minutes, 28 seconds, um, yeah. Cowbell by Carini. Oh, they said Wolfman's mother instead of brother. Oh. <laughs> asterisk. Asterisk. Yeah. You know, like like Sean Creedon types. <laughs> Plus, fish fans are annoying as fucking hell. Uh, nowadays, more so than ever. Yeah, only because you're older. They're just as annoying as they were back then. Yep. 
you're just an old dude now, so they're really annoying. Exactly. <laughs> As they all do. I was making fun of that, the whole rush out, the fish the fish fan rush out to the crowd, you know, where they're, they're doing the swimming arms and shit. <laughs> if this show had audio, if this show had video, I would I would replicate it for you. But you can imagine what it's like. I certainly can. You know, plus, you can, tell them they were, you can tell they were around because there was a creased smell of patchouli out there. <laughs> but anyway, you know, my sister had a conflict with the boyfriend because they didn't want to go out there. He's like, I don't want to go out there too because fish doesn't start till four. And I'm like, dude, you're going to be a million miles away from the stage if you get out there too. I was like, I just want to get there early because I like to get out there early because not so many people are there in the morning. And one of the big things about Jazz Fest is all the different foods. Okay. You know, there's like, there's like a hundred vendors, you know, and they're all, they, they have people serving stuff that you can only get at the Jazz Fest, you know, and it's good stuff. And it it sucks when the place gets crowded and the lines are long. But when you get out there, when you get there like 1130 or noon, it's not so bad. You know, and you can walk around, you can do all that, you set up. So instead of leaving early like I was planning on doing and going by myself, I, my sister was pissed. So I was like, and she was pissed that he wanted to leave so late. So I was like, well, I'll wait up for you. And I went with her. So we got out there around one. And then the point. I was like, all right, we found a decent spot. You know, was, we I could have gotten a lot closer to that stage had I gone out there when I wanted to. Right. But when we got out there, we still found a decent spot. And, you know, I had the chairs out there. And even though I wanted to see Robert Plant, you know, my whole setup was there. So I sat there and, I mean, it was all right. Like, Brian texted me. He's like, were they good? I'm like, as far as I know, they were. I don't friggin' know enough to be like... Oh, that was a lousy show, you know. Right. You know, I don't, I don't know the difference. <laughs> <You know? laughs> to be sitting there and complaining about fish perform- performances, but yeah, but it was pretty cool. But um, but uh, yeah. So it's, but the thing is, like I told you, how they had all those major, those were that's four national acts all closing out at the same time. Right. Right. It costs, if you go out there and buy a ticket the day of Jazz Fest, it's $70 now. I mean, you probably think that's a deal or whatever. But the beers are $5, can, 12 ounce cans of beer. You can't bring in your own booze? You can sneak it in. It's not that hard. Okay. But you better sneak in a flask, though, because, you know, beer, you're going to be carrying a load in. But it, basically, it'd be $120. Not basically, it would be $120 to buy a case of beer at the Jazz Fest. And what's ridiculous is all the people selling it are volunteers, you know? Yeah, right. They, they work for groups where they get a cut of the proceeds. This is the thing. Fifteen years ago, they would have, like, one, like, really big national act closing out a day, you know? And then, you know, they would have, like, uh, you know, Dave Matthews or um, who's that guy? Lenny Kravitz. You know, and then it would be, like... Uh, Friggin' Aaron Neville, who's a who's a big guy, but a local guy on another stage, you know? Yeah. Like a big local New Orleans type of guy. And the tickets were a lot cheaper. I mean, but now you go out there, and, and that's just one day. It was friggin' Robin Thicke, who's huge. You know, very big right now, you know? Robert Plant. He's Robert fucking Plant. He's always going to be big. Uh, fish. They attract a lot of people. You know, it's all these people you got to pay a lot of money to, you know, and, and the tickets are $70 now. 19, my brother, we were talking about the other day, he was talking about he's got a 1999 ticket stub where he paid 12 bucks or something to get in. Oh, no shit. You know, and I remember going out there, like, right when I graduated college, and I think the beers were like $2. And then, like, a year later, they were $3, but it was like, oh, $3. That's fine. But now the price is so far outpaced the rate of inflation it's absurd, man. So, I mean, luckily my sister hooked me up with a free ticket because it really kills me to pay the $60, $70 for the ticket. Didn't have to go out there and drop the $100 on food and drink. You know, and then you got people that go and do it every day. And I'm like, I don't know how you do it every day. You know how expensive that is? What's the, um, what's the tourist versus local comparison? Who's co- what, what the percentages yeah, 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 are? Yeah, percentages. Like how many? I, you know, I'm sure you could easily find that that number. 
I mean, but loads of locals are going to be out there anyway. But I mean, if you go out there, there's probably on average 70,000 people out there for each day. You know? All right, cool. So, but I I can't tell you the percentages, but but it is a thing locals go to, but it pisses off a lot of locals because of the fact that they've, you know, that it keeps getting more expensive, you know? And if you've been around, it's, I don't know, it kind of pisses me off. It's like, I don't know. They, I'm not going to, I'm not going to um, begrudge people for capitalism, you know, because fine, capitalism. But, uh, but it's gotten to a point where it's like they only seem to care about getting the tourist in. Right. You know? Right, right, like right. Where it used to be like, all right, you know, we'll just, it, they used to have big acts out there, but then it turned into a thing where it's only big acts from now on. You know, it, it's just, and it, and it, and it cost a lot of money to pay, to get those guys there. So the ticket accordingly has gotten a lot more expensive. I know some people that will go every day, but usually they have a hookup, you know, like the guy cuts my hair, you know, he, he's not paying for tickets ever. Right. Uh, but if you were to go every day in your local, you're spending over a thousand dollars. If you were to go out there and buy the tickets and eat and drink, you know, uh, it's, it's not our vacation, you know? Yeah, yeah, right. No, like, no, no I people get you. are coming in to go for four days or three days. That's their vacation. Like, I know there's people in town. I know this week, like, uh, sir, like this girl who graduated in 99, she was down here with her husband, a bunch of friends. And, and this is like a, a big thing for them. They want to come down here. I think they've done it before, you know, but it's, but it's a big trip for those guys. For me, it's just something that goes on when you live here. Yeah, we had bamboozle a couple of years ago, um, and that returned to to Asbury for the first time in like ten years or whatever. It was started here, um, and I think originally it was like um, it was more of I don't want to say it wasn't wasn't a festival type setup. It was it was kind of more like a satellite setup. So yeah. like one bar downtown would have a band, and then down the street another, and then like there was a a main show to to um, you know close out the whole festival. Um, but when they came back, they did it up in like the Meadowlands parking lot or something, and yeah. you know stages would be in different parts. But when they came back, they actually did it the way Asbury um, is set up. There is. Um, two parts to the boardwalk and in the middle of the boardwalk is convention hall yeah. and you pass through convention hall like if you let's say we want to go for a walk on the boardwalk with the dogs or something you know you start at one end to get from one end to the other you have to pass through uh, convention hall it's covered you know it's got shops on the inside um there's a convention center to the right and a theater to the left like these are you know bob dylan used to play there johnny cash had like a resident gig yeah. Um, so what they did was they made Convention Hall the entrance to the Bamboozle Festival Grounds, and they fenced off the beach and the and the surrounding blocks from the Convention Hall North. So the only way to get into Bamboozle was go to the Convention Hall with a ticket, and that was essentially you know the entrance gate. And but once you got into Convention Hall and through the other side to the beach or the boardwalk on the north end, then like there was a stage on the beach, there was a stage over you know in the park across the street, there was a tent over there, and, you know they kind of had the same you know kind of deal. Um, but like again, like they had in the same night, they had Foo Fighters and Bon Jovi. Yeah. And I don't know if you're a big Foo Fighters fan or have even ever seen them. They're one of the best concerts I've ever seen. Like, they're showmen, you know? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, you I know, don't Bron- know much about the Foo Fighters. That's Chris Novoselic. Is that who it is? No, no, no. It's Dave Grohl. Dave Grohl. All right, all right. Um, you know Brian Lamb from Boston? I know of him. He's uh, one of the St. John's prep guys. He's right? one of the St. John's prep guys. He's one of the, I think he's a Stonehill guy. There's a group of, of those Boston guys that then further narrowed themselves down to Stonehill College. Um, yeah. He was in a band. He His wife's from Australia. He's since moved um, to Australia uh, hmm. with his kids and, and back uh, to his, you know, hang with his in-laws and stuff. But apparently he had a job 
and uh, working at a winery or something, a vineyard, and his boss was business partners with Dave Grohl, and his boss rented out like a small island off the coast. It's like a party island, you know, whatever. Small island, yes. And uh, they threw a, a Foo Fighters concert. And they played for like three and a half hours, four hours. They played like every song in their catalog. You know, they were asking for requests. If they didn't know how to play it, they'd ask, you know, somebody from the audience to come up and teach it to them. Like they're just showmen. Like in and of them, just having them in and of themselves is like, uh, that's a a headliner. That's a highlight. Then they backed it up with Bon Jovi, which is like, you know, in terms of Jersey lore... Depending on your age, Bon Jovi's bigger than Bruce. Yeah, yeah. You know, so it was like unbelievable. And again, you know, the that Sunday ticket was 120 bucks. Damn. It's crazy. Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I accept Jazz Fest for what it is. It's geared towards tourists and stuff. But what bothers me is this. See, New Orleans, anything to do. It always becomes popular with other people. Tourists always want to come to it. There's nothing they can do here. No festival they can invent here that won't eventually become some reason for tourists to come to town. Right. And this is my my beef with this. So back in the Jazz Fest started in like 1972 or something like that. You know, it was very small. But by the 80s, it was a big deal, you know? So 1984 or so, I think it was 84... They start this thing in the French Quarter, French Quarter Festival. And it was started by the local businesses down there trying to get locals into the quarter. People from New Orleans and the surrounding areas, you know, uh, the metro New Orleans area, come come into the quarter, see what we got, you know. And Jackson Square and stuff, they'd set up booths. And it's a free festival. You got to pay for food and drink, of course, but you don't need to buy a ticket to get in, you know. Right. And now at this point it takes place you know, it takes place all along down in the quarter, like on the by the old US Mint, on Woldenberg Park, which is right on the river, down Jackson Square, which is uh uh that's the iconic view of New Orleans where Jackson Square is where you where you stand up and you look and you see the statue of Andrew Jackson with the cathedral in the background. That's Jackson Square. Okay. But now you know, it was always a locals festival. And even and even like 10 plus years ago or so, it still was kind of a small thing. But now everybody, all these other people caught on to it because there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's music and everything. And there's a lot of local acts and people who, uh, who, who attract a lot of people on the road, you know, like when like Dr. John played this year. It was the first time he's played in a long time. Do you know who Dr. John is? Oh, yeah, yeah. I cover Rolling Stone. Yeah, no, no, no. That's Doctor Hook. Oh, <laughs> Doctor John. No. His famous, his big song in the seventies was "It Must Have Been the Right Place, But It Must Have Been the, the Wrong, wrong time. time." Yeah, yeah, okay. I have yeah, his face. Song. I have his face. Yeah. yeah. Well, he's a big New Orleans musician who's very popular. Otherwise, you know, and he, you know, he probably could if he played a show in New York City. He probably attracts you know a decent amount of people. I mean, not like arenas, but like clubs. You know. Sure. And uh, so all these other people have figured out tourists come to town for this now, you know? It's like, <laughs> what was the locals festival? The, and they even call it, the people that run still call it, oh, well, this is the festival for locals. Now you go down there, it's overrun with tourists, you know? Because it's like, oh, we can go to New Orleans this weekend. They got this French Quarter festival. You don't even have to buy a ticket, you know? <laughs> now, it's like, do no those... matter what we freaking do. Like this girl posted on Facebook one of these blog posts uh, from something, and it was like, places to go eat when you're in town for French Quarter Fest. And I responded, I was like, fuck those people. No one should be in town for French Quarter Fest. It's ours. Go to hell. Now, do when the tourists come in, do they do they act like tourists? Or do, do they assimilate because it's a locals event? Well, they'll never assimilate. <laughs> Do they respect the fact that it's a locals event? If they did, they wouldn't be here. That's my theory. On <laughs> but no matter what you do in New Orleans, any festival they start here will eventually be overrun. That's all there is to it. And you just got to deal with it. You know? But that, I, I like, that's like a 
was it maybe they might do that for four days. And it's one of those things. I don't care. I'm not going to be out there every day. I like to go out there for one day just because it is one of those type of it's fun. But there's also like lots of good food, you know? Yeah. Like that, I love that. Being able to go around trying all kinds of different stuff, you know? So, uh, like what I mean, kind of food, what kind of food that you can get there that you normally can't get somewhere else? Well, I mean, the thing about the French Quarter Festival, it's all the, there's a lot of restaurants that are located down there that set up booths, you know? Okay. So instead of having to go to five different restaurants and spend $60 on a meal at each one. Right. You get a little, a little plate of, of something. Yeah. You get a little plate of whatever from, uh, from nice restaurants or even just regular old vendors, you know? Now, see, there's there's all kinds of – there hasn't been that many in – there weren't that many last year, but I think that was a like a post-Sandy hangover kind of deal. But you were down for Oyster Fest um, yeah, yeah, in, Oyster in Asbury. Fest now, there's two types of events. Um, one are those kind of prepackaged events that are run by this group in town that put on – you know, anything like that. So the vendors tend to be the same, you know. You have, like, well, Oyster Fest was Oyster Fest, so they had a ton of that kind of stuff. But, like, you know, it's the same lemonade guy. It's the same yeah. empanadas guy. It's the same, you know, snow cone guy, whatever. But then there is the downtown festivals, which um, which cater more towards, like, bringing business to the to, to the restaurants, to the downtown shops, yeah. and not you know, not just the vendors. So you get that. Hey, for five bucks, you know, I can get a you know a sushi roll from you know the Taka. Would normally, if you were going to go in there, you know, that's going to cost you thirteen bucks. Yeah, you know, that's for the, the sushi. About French Quarter Fest is the same type of thing. They had nice New Orleans restaurants where you would have to spend like this place, Muriel's. You'd have to spend a decent amount of money to go eat a meal there. But they have a booth set up at that, and they're selling these uh, shrimp crepes, you know? And it's it's delicious. Yeah, there's that um, there's there's that contingent here in Asbury where um, they, they're really down on the suburbs coming into Asbury. Um, but, like, really, that's who... That's what a town like Asbury needs to rely on because, you know, we're only one square mile and half of that is, um, you know, half of that lives below the poverty line. Yeah. So the other half, um, you know, who's, who've been restoring the, the big Victorian, big 12-bedroom Victorians for the last 20 years because they came when real estate prices were, you know, dirt cheap. Yep. Um, you know, they they're transient or you know they're they're migrant and so um, you know they're not always here you yeah, kind of I mean, wrote- you're getting picky if you're a town that small who doesn't want people coming in from the surrounding town yeah exactly but there's this one you know it's a it's the free newspaper in town tri-city news and they only want things a certain way and they only want a certain class of you know businesses or a certain class of consumers but, you know, at the same point, we need, like, you know, the people from Rumson to come down in their Mercedes to have dinner at, you know, at the place yeah. downtown or else no one else can afford it. The whole yep. thing's going to go out of, you know, go out of business. Yep. So, you know, I, 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 I get that, you know, that kind of dichotomy of, you know, having to rely on the – you know the influx of 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 tourism or the influx of of cash from those folks, but at the same time wanting to, you know, keep your local identity at least in some form. Well, uh, down here we're not worried about this. They're not worried about the people coming from the suburbs. It's right. It's all the people who are flying in to come to the free festival. Who's the most egregious? Like um, here, it's like okay, you can always tell when a New Yorker comes down. You know, they call them Bennies, um, yeah. you know, or shooby black socks because they wear shoes and black socks on the beach. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, because there's there's such a, a um, the local community here is is year round. Yeah. So we're not like some of the beach communities that, you know, are 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 empty during the winter and populate in the summer. Like for the most part, the beach towns around here 
don't double in size or don't quadruple in size during the during the summer. They just increase from day visitors and stuff. So like, all right, the New Yorkers are down, North Jersey's down. You can tell they're obnoxious. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they really give a bad name. In New Orleans, who's that? Who's that group? You know, is it like? Is it Atlanta? You know, is it Miami? Like, I mean, you know, the thing is, I don't think. I mean, it's not like like y'all are getting a specified group of tourists who come to the same place every year. Yeah, I you guess know? I guess New Orleans has universal appeal. I mean, obviously, you know, I don't think I don't I try to stay away from the quarter and all that anyway, so I don't even think about that so much. Right. You know, but uh, so I'm not thinking. Oh no, it's a bunch of hicks from Mississippi or something. Uh, but I'm sure if you're I don't know, but I think I, I I don't think I'd be happy if I ran into a group of Texans because those people are always assholes. <laughs> uh, they're always loud and obnoxious, you know, and they're always bragging about Texas. And it's like, go back to fucking Texas, you know. I don't know why you're sitting here and bragging about Texas, you know. You, you, you know what I'm saying? People that come to town as tourists that sit there and you know whatever. But but probably the worst are just the drunken groups of meathead dudes that come in, you know. And they had a, yeah. Uh, you you see a lot of them. There were there were a fair amount of groups like that at the, at at Jazz Fest last week. You know, they all have coordinated shirts on. You know, and I I ha- is one of the local papers did a story on a group of drunken assholes from San Francisco that were here for a bachelor party and were. Falling all over and vomiting all over Jazz Fest. I don't know how the hell they decide they were going to do a story about this group, you know? Well, that's the the first rule of the LSU-SU bus trip is no coordinated shirts. Because nothing advertises your douchebaggery more than matching t-shirts. Yeah. So, (laughs) no matching t-shirts for the bus trip. Uh, I'm all down with that. There's yeah. a certain level of 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 arrogance that's that uh, an unfounded arrogance in people who feel the need to dress alike to announce that they are all part of the same organization. We're here. We're queer. We're not going away. <laughs> Especially when it's not even an organization. It's just a group of a loose band of idiots. Exactly. Exactly. They loosely quasi affiliated. <laughs> Here, I'm sending you a link to this story. I don't know how, like, did this reporter come up on these guys? It's like, I got to find out more and I'm going to do a story about them. But you'll appreciate this. The, the pictures are pretty sweet, too, you know? <laughs> and those are the worst guys you'll see in something like this. Are you looking at that? Yeah, the first it, pictures of these guys bailed. Oh my god! <laughs> oh wait, is this a video? No, no, it's just uh, photos. Oh, okay, I got it. Yeah, yeah. This is a whole news story. Yeah, I, mean, I just. Uh, I mean, I guess it's more more like a blog entry. I guess because it's it's not that long, but still. But I mean, yeah. it's from this is the New Orleans Advocate is a is a media outlet. A, yeah, it's, a, a reputable media outlet. Yes, it is. It, it's it's a see. New Orleans always had the Times Picayune. Times Picayune, the Newhouse family. You know the ones who the uh, sure. illustrious broadcasting school at Syracuse is named after. Decided that they were going to do an experiment with the New Orleans paper, which they own the Times Picayune. So they so they've cut down to three published editions a week. You know, which pissed off a lot of people because it was the only major newspaper here. Right. So Baton Rouge had the Morning Advocate. Uh, well, so in a light of that, a local guy from New Orleans bought the Advocate, and then he start. You know, they start the uh, the New Orleans edition. You know, and now they deliver a paper every day. Meanwhile, the Sometimes Picayune only delivers a. Wednesday, Friday, and Sunday paper now. And they, they want you to go online and look at all their other stuff. 
they they thought this was going to be the wave of the future that people weren't reading papers anymore. And it's basically just a big experiment, and and it pissed people off. <laughs> Here's a couple a choice uh, choice quotes that I don't even know the context of them, but uh, I just really hate fish fans. He said. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, uh, he showed yeah. off a picture of Los feet away from an oncoming truck, with one Bourbon Street infamous huge ass beers in his hand. Yeah, and despite what they said, you can totally get twelve guys into an Acura. Just remember that they do have a way to unlock the doors from the outside. Well, yeah, because there was uh, there one of the big stages. That's the one Fish was on was the Acura stage. Okay, so there was an Acura tent with an Acura in there, and I guess these guys must have all gone into the Acura and see it if they could all cram into the into the car that was on display. <laughs> mm-hmm. Oh, man. Yeah. What a bunch but, of idiots. Yeah, but I wouldn't want to see these guys, you know? Oh, well. That's enough, um, enough carping about the festivals. Regardless, if I get a ticket for Saturday, I'll go on Saturday. Tomorrow's out of the question. Sunday's probably out of the question. But if I get a ticket for Saturday, I'll go. Um, <laughs> I'll grace them with my presence. <laughs> I'll bring my chair and I'll get there early. <laughs> well, if I do, see, that's the thing. A lot of times when I'll get tickets, people will hook me up tickets, but it's like last minute type of thing. So you don't get to do too much planning. It's like, oh, fuck, I just got to go out there, you know? Right, <laughs> but hey, that's where you live. That's what you do when you live on live at the mercy of the of the hookup ticket. <laughs> I guess so. All right, so one of these pictures is a good um, a good representation of what's going on. So everything is on the field. Is everything on the infield, or do you go out into the parking lot or onto the concourse? It's all it's all within the confines of the track. I mean, like the the the, the tents are like on the track itself, sort of. Okay. You know, and then everything else is like the infield, I guess. You know, like, like the uh, accuracy. I think they're. I think those stages are like backing up to the track or so. Got it. Yeah. I mean, I guess you could go Google it and probably see a satellite view of what it looks like, the layout, or go to the Jazzfest website. But yeah, it's all on the big grassy area infield. That's where most of the people are. Yeah. So who's playing Saturday? I think uh, Bruce Springsteen's playing this Saturday. I'll tell you who's playing. Let's see. Public Enemy played last week. That's kind of weird. No way. Yeah, that is they weird. played last Friday. All right, let's see. Schedules. All right, we'll see who. Well, we'll start with seeing who played today. Yeah, I'll throw out names. Maybe you recognize them. All right. Once this page loads. Any day now. Any day. All right. Thursday, May 1st. Who played today? Flow Tribe Open. They're kind of a local thing. Uh, String Cheese Incident played tonight. Uh, All right, all right. They're a hippie band. Yep. Yep. Uh, Lyle Lovett played tonight. Uh, the Whalers played earlier today. The original Whalers, I imagine. All right, that was that was stuff you would recognize for today. All right, we've got a Friday, May second, which will be my niece's fifteenth birthday. Oh, happy birthday! Day. Was that? Happy birthday. Yeah, it's a big day. Tomorrow, you know, you got Christina Aguilera plays tomorrow night. Uh, she goes on 545. Okay. Alabama Shakes plays at 530. You heard of them, right? Yeah, they're big. Uh, Chaka Khan plays at 530. Chaka Khan. Chaka Khan. Name so nice, they named it twice. <laughs> So there you go. Um, I mean, there's a bunch of other stuff. I don't know if you heard of Pharaoh Sanders. I don't know who he is. No. But uh, let's see if there's anybody else. Well, there you go. I mean, as far as people that you might know of. Hooray for the Riff Raff. I don't know if you heard of them. Um, All right. Let's move on to Saturday. 
I mean, there's all kinds of stuff throughout the day that's good stuff. It's just that it's not people who are known, you know. Yeah, yeah. Not internationally known, but known throughout the microphone. <laughs> Alan Toussaint, he plays Saturday. Bruce Springsteen, Foster the People, Better Than Ezra, Trey Songs, Al Jarreau, Johnny Winter. You know, I mean, that's a... That's all playing at the same time. Bruce Springsteen, Foster People, Trey Songs, Johnny Winter. I might have to go see Johnny Winter if I was out there. What's Johnny Winter play? Frankenstein, man. No, that's Edgar Winter. Oh, well, Johnny Winter's his brother. Oh, is he really? Yeah. Okay. What was their band called? What's Win- that? What was their band called? John Dawson went to the third. I'm looking up his... Uh, best known for his high-energy blues rocks albums. Winter also produced three Grammy Award-winning albums for blues legend Muddy Waters. Let's see. John Winter, along with his musician brother Edgar Winter, were nurtured at an early age by their parents in musical pursuits. Both Johnny and his brother, who were born with albinism, began performing at an early age when he was 10 years old. Winter appeared on a local children's show playing ukulele and singing Everly Brothers songs with his brother. Edgar Winter was just the Edgar Winter group, I think, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, the Edgar Winter group. You're right. Yeah. I didn't realize they were both albinos. Albinism, baby. (laughs) Edgar Winter also played free. Also wrote "Free Ride." Huh. Free ride. Oh, he didn't write it, but he performed it. Yeah, let's see. This is like um, a Dazed and Confused flashback. Yeah, yeah. Johnny Winter. Huh. Well, whatever. He's a big act for blues people. Got it. You got that? I got that down. All right. Well, we can move right along. All right. Um, and we'll close out Sunday just to just to put the bookend on this fucking thing. Oh <laughs> <laughs> man, I'm freaking kind of didn't get great sleep tonight last night because I fell down a Jethro Tall rabbit hole around twelve o'clock. <laughs> Sunday has Arcade Fire, John Fogarty, Aaron Neville. They got a bunch of good acts. I would like to see John Fogarty, but I'm not going to be out there for that. Sands the Beaver Brown Band? Yeah, it's just John Fogarty. No, yeah, I was... I don't know what the hell led to that, but last night I'm sitting there and I was listening to some sticks... And then on one of the YouTube stick state pages had a a link to yes, you know, which led to Emerson Lake and Palmer, which led to more investigation of progressive rock, <laughs> which led to me listening to a bunch of Jethro Tull because I because I used to love Jethro Tull. Yeah. So then I'm going through and I'm reading all about, you know, how Jethro Tull, I guess, officially. Ian An- just just a few weeks ago, Ian Anderson announced that they were officially done. <laughs> it was from an interview on April fifteenth. You know, he was like, "Oh yeah, by the way, we're Jethro Tull for all intents and purposes is done." And he was like, "I actually feel kind of guilty now about the name Jethro Tull, so I can get over that because he said the name was just given to him by a booker, you know, a booking agency back in the '60s, and he only found out a couple of weeks later that it was." Uh, that it was a a real person, and but it was too late to go back at that point. Oh no way! Yeah, you know he's he's like I didn't know much about history when I was a kid, so I had no clue who Jethro Tull was. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, and he's like I he's like I feel like you know I feel like I went up and he was using the ATM machine. And I stole his pen number or something. He's <laughs> like it's identity theft that we've been calling ourselves Jethro Tull for forty four years. <laughs> I didn't so, know I didn't know that it was a real guy. Yeah, he invented the mechanical seed drill, I believe. He lived in the seventeenth and eighteenth century, I believe. Yeah, he was an agriculturist in England. Yeah. 
Yep, he's like a he's an English hero. Well, on that note, what else you got? Go. I don't really have anything else, man. Um, other than knowing that uh, getting my Winter Brothers straight, you know. <laughs> Hey, do me a favor. Send me over a picture of you and your old man uh, Jazz Fest t-shirt, and I'll get that up on... Oh, um, yeah. We didn't talk about that. I'll get that up on TwoSorryExcuses.com, and uh, you can write up a post-coital for it. How's it? Your first post-coital. Yeah. I need to learn how to do that. Uh, write it off. Send it to me in an email. I'll post it, and then next week... Oh, I don't even get to figure out how to do it. It still <laughs> needs to go through the key master. <laughs> I am the gatekeeper. Uh, one step at a time. One yeah, step at yeah. a time, man. Yeah, I'll, I'll um. All right, we can. I'll just. Uh, I can text that picture to you. All right. Or would you rather me email it to you? Well, I want you to write up the. I want you to write up the, a story behind a story behind it, so I can post the story along yeah, with the picture. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And then I have um, an assignment now. There you go. All right, excellent. All right, man. On that note, with apologies to Girk's brother, we'll see you guys next week. See you next week. Good night, Fredo. (laughs) Later, Liv. Later.